Good morning from WKYT News. I'm Bill Bryant and we welcome you to Kentucky Newsmakers. You've heard a lot from the candidates for governor and we've recently also aired separate programs with the candidates for Kentucky Attorney General. But there are other important races on the ballot coming up November 5th, including for state agriculture commissioner. Farming is a major part of Kentucky's economy. In recent years, hemp and agritourism have boosted that sector of the economy. Later, we'll hear from Democrat Robert Haley Conway, who is the challenger in the race, who says he could improve things and who used to be a neighbor in Scott County to our first guest. Republican Ryan Quarles is the commissioner now. He's running for re-election. In his first term, Quarles pushed hard for hemp legalization. He's worked to establish programs to help feed those who are food insecure and expanded the Kentucky Proud brand. Meanwhile, Quarles, who previously served in the legislature, has headed up one of the largest areas of state government. The Agriculture Department has wide-ranging responsibilities. Commissioner, thanks for coming. Appreciate Thank you it. for having me today. What do you list as your uh, most important accomplishment in, in four years as Agriculture Commissioner? Well, the primary goal as Commissioner of Agriculture is to promote Kentucky farming and agriculture across our state. We've been a relentless advocate, not just in Frankfurt, but also Washington, D.C., and on occasion at the county level as well. We have grown the Kentucky Proud program to over 8,000 Kentuckians. We've gotten Kentucky Proud beef into grocery stores in a very significant way, with selling over a half million pounds of 100% ground beef into our grocery stores, connecting our farmers with the consumers. Another big accomplishment is, is having a national model of a hemp program, one that will exceed $100 million in sales this year. But perhaps the best accomplishment, looking back over the past three and a half years or so, is helping support the future of Kentucky agriculture with raising money for programs like 4-H and FFA, two programs that I can say if I had not been members of, I wouldn't be here today. How much effort and strategy did it take for hemp to go from an experimental program when you started to being now legal nationwide? Well, every hour of every day, I work on hemp in some way. It's putting a lot of gray hair on my head there in the first term, but we put it into a, a, a mechanism and a route so that Kentucky could be the epicenter of not just growing hemp, but processing it as well. When I took over, we decided to say, look, this crop has a special place in Kentucky history. Let's create jobs out of it. And so we went from 32 acres to 26,000 acres this year. We have over 200 hemp companies. We have 1,000 farmers growing it as far east as Pike County, as far west as Fulton County. And we are employing about 1,000 Kentuckians, full-time jobs across our state. These are jobs that simply didn't exist a few years ago that exist today because we chose to lead. We wanted to make sure that during the Quarles administration, we developed a national model, which has been replicated by other states, that helped transition this crop from the research phase into full-blown commercialization. In the nation, uh, it is now legal across the country. Did Kentucky give up any advantage by you know, now being legal in 50 states, uh, as opposed to at the beginning of your term, it was experimental and, and basically here only? If anything, we have maintained and increased our advantage as the 2018 Farm Bill was passed. I was fortunate to help work on the 2018 Farm Bill and the hemp legislation. And now that it's legalized, Kentucky has a clear advantage because we are prepared to, uh, to become commercialized across our commonwealth. We spent those research years not constricting the opportunity to a handful of growers or a handful of colleges. But during my administration, we made sure to open the door for those qualified to say, hey, if you want to research hemp, 
come to our office, we're going to work with you. And because of those efforts, those early year efforts in 2019 and in 2020, we are one of the largest hemp states in the nation, and we are the clear, uh, we are the clear national model. And when USDA Secretary Sonny Purdue says he has a question about hemp, they call Ryan Quarles. And that's a compliment in and of itself. And we're going to help use this crop, a crop that's still in its infancy, there's still a lot of risk involved in it, to help create jobs in the Commonwealth. Obviously, with uh, the, the climate and soil conditions being favorable to hemp, uh, uh, it would also be for its cousin. Uh, <laughs> do you support the legalization of medicinal or recreational marijuana in Kentucky? I'm not against it. We have an opportunity with hemp right now, and I run an agency that has limited resources. We have a historic low number of employees. The General Assembly does not allocate money to run the hemp program. And so during our first term, we have been focused exclusively just on promoting hemp. Although I'm not against medical marijuana, there's still so much research left to be done with hemp and the potential health benefits. So that's where we've been focused, and that's where we're going to focus if given the chance to serve a second term. And did you fold into your non-opposition legal, legalizing recreational marijuana uh, and potentially taxing that? I, at this point, do not support recreational marijuana. But you would support uh, legalization of medicinal marijuana? I'm not against that, but we're focused on hemp right now because there's a lot of cannabinoids in that plant that we believe have health benefits. CBD is the most prominent one of those, but there's a hundred additional compounds that we believe will help people out with epilepsy, seizures, joint pain. Some people are taking it as a daily cure-all. Uh, and so we want to focus what limited resources we have right now on the hemp program because we have the opportunity to be first in something instead of last with this crop. You've worked to improve the markets for Kentucky agriculture products, not just hemp, but other things. Has that been a challenge with some of the tariffs that have come along? Uh, you know, and we export a lot to, uh, to other countries. Absolutely. Kentucky farmers are dependent on international trade. And I was fortunate that when I took office, I was able to use my trade background to help connect Kentucky farmers with the 95% of consumers that live outside of the United States. A great example of this was uh, back in 2017, uh, due to the efforts of my office, we were to help open up trade with China with live horse exports. China has a growing racing industry. They want to buy American, and when you talk about horses, they actually want to buy Kentuckians. And so we went, went over to China twice, and we were able to score a home run for Kentucky agriculture by opening up live horse exports for racing purposes. And that's an example of how when you are surgical and have a strategy at the state level, you don't have to have a lot of people working on it as long as you're focused. And opening up those equine uh, exports, mainly thoroughbreds, quarter horses, and standard breads and saddlebreds, helps out not just those in the equine industry, but also those that support it, our feed and seed stores. And so in the second term, imagine a day where you can take that Kentucky Proud brand, that powerful marketing brand, slap it on a box, do Amazon Prime overnight, UPS, DHL, all located in Kentucky, and help connect those high quality ag goods to say a, a Parisian market or a Tokyo restaurant overnight. And we are gonna to try to continue to advocate that we need open markets for our farmers. I know you don't have responsibility for horse safety. However, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, what we've had happen with these uh, at these tracks. Do you have concerns about uh, the, the health of the uh, within the sport of kings? Absolutely, and I'm an avid uh, race fan. I enjoy supporting our equine industry. My grandfather is actually a thoroughbred trainer in northern Kentucky. I have uh, a lot of faith in the horse industry, people are racetracks, so putting safety first. 
Uh, my office actually helps oversees disease issues among uh, the racing uh, population. But I'm going to work with the horse industry like we continue to do in the first term. If they need any assistance from us, uh, we will not hesitate to give it to them. A couple of things that uh, your uh, opponent has said, and, and interestingly enough, uh, you were neighbors at one time and you know his children, right? That's right. Uh, as circumstances would have it, you have two candidates for Commissioner of Agriculture from the same county, so we both know each other. He says that we are le losing three farms a day. And uh, are we doing what we can to, uh, to help agriculture survive and support the family farms? I don't know where he's getting his statistics, but the latest national census on agriculture shows that the number of farms in Kentucky has actually remained stable the past few years, around 76,000 farms. And in several Kentucky counties, the number of farms are actually going up. And if you talk about Kentucky agriculture, you're talking about small family farms that are owned and operated by families like yours and mine. And so we are going to continue to help invest in the future. And I think that the number of farms through the statistics that I just referenced shows that unlike other states, Kentucky's insulated the weather, been insulated from bad weather pretty well. Can we do better with animal shelters in Kentucky? Uh, again, your opponent says we can. The law seems to uh, give your department some responsibility without the authority to, to do much. Well, the Department of Agriculture focuses on agriculture, mainly livestock, and we help oversee uh, the health and welfare of livestock producers and those issues across the state. And occasionally we're asked to assist with animal shelter investigations. Uh, we do not have oversight over animal shelters across Kentucky. That's the responsibility of the fiscal courts across Kentucky, and that's been the established policy of the Kentucky General Assembly for about 20 years now. And so we're focused on livestock at the Department of Agriculture, but at the same time, we've held, uh, we've uh, given a helping hand to those counties who have issues that may need the expertise from my staff. And we're, gonna ha we're happy to do that and work with county prosecutors and county sheriffs as well on a case-by-case -case basis. Are you running your own campaign or are your fortunes tied in some way to the top of the ticket uh, where uh, Governor Bevan and Attorney General Andy Bashir are clashing and, uh, and apparently are in a close race? Well, as a farm kid from Central Kentucky, I learned at a young age to plow your own ground. And so we are running our own race, a positive race, one of the few campaigns across Kentucky that's running a positive race. And I think it's important that people take time to educate themselves on the down-ballot races. As you alluded to in your opening remarks, a lot of folks may not know about the down-ballot races. Each and every one of them matter in, in a state like Kentucky where we are expected to know what each office does. And in the Commissioner of Agriculture race, there's a clear choice, and I hope that voters choose to send me back for a second term uh, this November 5th. Obviously, you're going to answer this with one race at a time, but uh, and yet your name is mentioned for higher office as well, and if you're successful in winning this uh, second term, uh, governor, congress, senator, this kind of thing, uh, we also know you have a doctorate and that yeah. you have a, a, an interest in higher education. Uh, do you keep all of your options open uh, going forward? Well, of course, but I'm just really blessed to already hold what I consider the highest office in Kentucky, and that's the Commissioner of Agriculture. And that's why I'm running for re-election this year. There's work left to be done at the Department of Ag. I was blessed to grow up on a small family farm like countless other Kentuckians, and there's a lot of work that I'd like to accomplish in the second term, and that's what I'm going to be focusing on for the next few years. Thanks for coming. We appreciate it. Commissioner Ryan Quarles. Thank you so much. Republican candidate for re-election uh, in that. And we hope you'll stay with us. We'll meet his opponent coming up next on WKYT's Kentucky Newsmakers.
Welcome back to Kentucky Newsmakers from WKYT. Continuing our focus on the race for Kentucky Agriculture Commissioner, we just had a discussion with incumbent Republican Ryan Quarles, and now we meet the Democratic nominee, Robert Haley Conway. He says family farms are disappearing, that Kentucky can do better when it comes to agriculture. Where does he stand on legalization of marijuana? What potential does he see for hemp going forward? Conway has served on the Scott County School Board. He has also been a longtime farmer, and we welcome candidate Conway. Thank you for coming. We appreciate it very much. Well, Bill, thank you very much for having me. Uh, you know the incumbent uh, commissioner personally. Uh, in fact, you were neighbors. Uh, apparently, you saw him uh, grow up. Uh, why do you think you do a better job as uh, Kentucky's uh, ag commissioner? Well, a couple of things. The uh, Department of Agriculture is one of the largest entities within state government. And uh, I personally, uh, through my business career, I've controlled over 2,000 employees and ran a $75 million budget. Um, so I think I have the business uh, acumen to take care of it. But I'm also a farmer, and I'm the only one in this race that literally farms, that truly is a farmer. Uh, my family uh, has been in Kentucky since 1775. Uh, we have actually been farming in Kentucky since 1782. I'm an eighth generation farmer. I have four sons. My youngest son is farming with dad, and he's the ninth generation, and there's no more than that. You have made the, the case on the campaign trail that uh, we have a problem with the disappearance of family farms, uh, but hasn't the, the face of farming uh, really changed nationwide and the trends are toward uh, larger operations? Well, yes and no. Uh, you have to understand that in Kentucky, the average size of farms is around 143 acres which is small compared to if you move out west, you're looking at 500 plus. Uh, the Kentucky landscape is such that you go to the western part of the state, you're looking at flatter land, go to the eastern part of the state, you're looking at the mountains, obviously. But family farms are indigenous to an area that, you know, the values earned, the lessons learned on a farm are second to none. Uh, we really have had a tremendous experience in Kentucky with family farms. Since the abolition of the tobacco program in 2004, uh, really we've had nothing here to help sustain farming. And we are literally losing three farms a day in the state of Kentucky. And it's not all because of uh, urban encroachment. A lot of it has to do with just not being able to make it on the farm. Uh, there were 87,500 farms back in 2008. Right now there's 75,000 farms. And Bill, out of the 75,000 farms, 57%, 37,000 of those right now have less, actually make less than $10,000 a year revenue, not profit. Well, what can the state do about that? I think, first of all, you have to have a farm plan. Uh, one of the things that I did, you know, and, and when I got into this, I truly, I'm not a politician. Uh, you know, my, my personal career in politics is 12 years as a member and chairman of the Scott County Board of Education. I'm currently on the Scott County Soil and Water Conservation Boards, and if you know anything about those, those aren't things you do to endear you to the community. You're not there for the power of the money. You're there to help. You know, it's a community-based job. The truth of the matter is that the gentleman that I beat in the primary, I never thought I'd win. I mean, it, I literally got into this race to get the message out there that we need to have these conversations today. Four years from now, it's too late. So I got into it not thinking I would win, that, uh, that I would get the message out, force uh, the current commissioner to have those discussions. And uh, as my mother said a long time ago, be careful what you ask for, you might just get it. I won a race <laughs> and then I had no, because I, I funded everything myself in the primary. Literally, um, I, uh, I had no campaign staff, no campaign chair, no money. And here I am running for state. Had to start over. Uh, 
how you also have made the case out there that that more young people need to be exposed to farming uh, others need to be convinced that they might potentially uh, have a, a career in farming uh, how do you convince more people to, uh, to to take a look well you know agriculture right now young people you know people say the young people don't want to work I disagree I think the this generation of young people is not like Many, they work hard. They just have been able, they're a show me generation. They will do it if there is a return in their investment base and they get paid for their work. And we have to change that. There has to be a paradigm shift in agriculture. We have to continue to push the narrative that farming has been basically a corporate structure going back to the end of the, uh, the Nixon years. Uh, we need to diversify. We need to not put everything, right now we're in a basically commodity type uh, industry. Large corporations are dictating terms. Western Kentucky, literally west of Elizabethtown now, you would think you're in Iowa because it's nothing but thousands of acres of corn and soybean with no market for it right now. Uh, there are so many things that we can do. We Literally, where I was gonna go with this real quick was the gentleman that I beat in the primary has actually become a very good friend of mine and we have gotten together along with a bunch of farmers in the, in the southern part of the state and we've literally come up with a farm plan on how to address this and it's a multifaceted it, this thing's pretty detailed on what we think we could do to help farming in kentucky and basically part of it is diversification you don't put all your eggs in one basket we have a, a considerable emphasis now on hemp in the state and uh, commissioner quarles has been uh, proud that he pushed uh, for the legalization of that and then the marketing of that sense uh, do you think uh, that is a, a way forward i think hemp is a part of it but the hemp program right now as i see it and as many do that are actually involved with it uh is the wild wild west they basically opened it up it's an election year you want the perception they got to have something to tout so it's a perception of an industry that's on the upswing but right now, if you're familiar with what's happened just in the last couple of days, there's lawsuits floating around with major processors. There's lawsuits out there right now uh, where literally the plants in Mayfield have not have stopped construction. Uh, a lot of farmers in the western part of the state don't have markets for the crop. There are people right now that literally stand to lose everything they have. And I think we need to stop, catch our breath, find out the markets, define what it is we, we are and what we want to do. Right now, uh, and I know that he got irritated with me at KET, but I made a comment that the Commissioner of Agriculture, at his sole discretion, gets to choose who grows it and how much. And he said, well, no, no, it's a committee. Yes, a committee chosen by him and chaired by him. And they decide who gets to grow it, how much they're getting to grow. And right now, uh, only 1,000 of the 75,000 farms are actually growing hemp in Kentucky. That's not a resurgent program. Right now, there's so much unknown uncertainties in it that I'm truly afraid that a lot of people are going to lose everything they have. Where do you stand on uh, marijuana legalization? Do you favor, uh, we hear you favor medical marijuana, do you favor recreational marijuana legalization? Bill, I'm not going to answer that and the reason being is uh, my focus is the legalization of medical marijuana. You know, I've been on a campaign trail and I've put thousands of miles, I have visited 110 of the 120 counties since February 1st. The truth of the matter is that as of today, I have not had one individual come up to me and say, Mr. Conway, you're wrong on your position on medical marijuana. I personally think that anything you could do that would benefit your fellow man, because one thing I know is people in Kentucky love each other. Regardless of whether you have a D or an R attached to your name, the, the letter that means the most is a K. We're all Kentuckians. We're, we're very unique people. We're great people. We, we are loving. We're kind. 
why would you not want to do something to help your fellow man? Back in March, it was voted out of committee 17 to 1. There was excitement that it was finally going to be passed, and the Repu Republican leadership in Frankfurt refused to bring it to the floor for a vote. To me, it's a moral issue. It's not a political issue. I lost a mother. I lost two grandmothers. I lost a grandfather, three aunts, two uncles to cancer. Uh, right now, I, you know, they're telling me that it has such wonderful applications for, uh, you know, uh, all kinds of different, you know, whether it's the people that have opioid addiction, there's all kinds of benefits to it. Why not do it? Let me ask you this. You've expressed concerns uh, again out there about animal shelters, which are regulated locally uh, right now. Do you want the Department of Agriculture to assume more responsibility? Absolutely. Uh, the Kentucky Department of Agriculture is the overseer for the laws and uh, regulations with regards to animal shelters. Just last week, uh, word came out that Kentucky ranks dead last in animal welfare in the United States. And if you follow that on top of the fact that uh, another report came out not too long ago said we ranked dead last on the enforcement and how we treat our children, then we have a major problem in this state. If you can't treat your children and you can't treat your pets, then we need to have some work to do as individuals. A few seconds left, Commissioner Quarles has run an expensive and comprehensive campaign for re-election. As you're well aware, you told us you kind of threw yours together after the primary. How do you win this race? Uh, to be very honest about it, he has spent over half a million dollars, uh, 300,000 of it is just TV ads alone, which this station uh, shows, a lot of them, uh, to be very honest about it. Bill, I didn't run in this race for a political career. The Republican Party has used the Commissioner of Agriculture, going back to Richie Farmer, as a promotion to some of their young up and, you know, so you got Richie, you got Jamie Comer, and you got Ryan Quarles. I only desire to be Commissioner of Agriculture. I do not have a political career that I feel like I need to satisfy. I just want to help people in the state of Kentucky. Uh, I'm getting the word out uh, like you wouldn't believe on social media. I have a groundswell. I have teachers help me, young people help me. And people are telling me that they have not seen a, a, a campaign like mine in 50 years, probably will never again. So it's unique, it's, it's individualism at its finest, but at the end of the day, I'm having a tremendous time. Well, we thank you for coming. Appreciate thank it. Thank you very much. I hope you'll stay with us on Kentucky Newsmakers. Coming next, a look at a way Kentucky's trying to overcome the challenge of domestic abuse. We'll be back. It's Kentucky Newsmakers. Here in Kentucky, it's estimated 775,000 women will experience domestic violence in their lifetime. Domestic violence cases are complicated and can be difficult to prosecute. And Sam Dick of our staff takes a look at the challenges. It could be in any town. I would say it's at epidemic proportions. Or county in Kentucky. In, in a year, it's about 80 to 85 percent of my caseload is domestic violence and that's a staggering number. Tanya Northup Mendenhall is in her 23rd year as a victim's advocate in Jessman County. It's an erosion of the very fiber of our society, which is the family unit. She's on call seven days a week. Domestic violence calls in the middle of the night are common. If we destroy the family, we have no society. She is one of the first people to talk with a domestic violence victim. She offers support, 
takes pictures of the injuries, helps file an emergency protection order, and guides the victim through the court process. I've been in the field now for almost four decades. Carol Jordan of UK says it's not uncommon for domestic violence victims to not want the abuser charged or prosecuted. Fear of retaliation, those are the things that probably influence most survivors. But it's also important to know that some survivors don't want the relationship to be over. Um, so the idea of him going to jail is really not conducive to how she feels about him necessarily. They, they still love them in many instances. Um, and we hear that quite a bit. Um, you know, yes, he did this, but I still love him. In the justice system, domestic violence cases start in district court. In his 17 years as county attorney, Brian Gettle has seen a lot of victims back off from prosecuting the abuser. The victims will come in and recant their story or they'll ask us to dismiss. The Justman County attorney now has a 30-day waiting period to give domestic violence victims time to figure out what they want. So that they can step back from uh, that request to dismiss it when they've been attacked and in a final decision. Abusers are often charged with fourth degree assault. That's a misdemeanor, a lesser crime, carrying a sentence of up to 12 months in jail. When those injuries are considered serious or a weapon is used, that bumps the charge up to first degree assault, a felony, which carries a 10 to 20 year sentence in prison. When the victim wants the charge dropped, it makes prosecution more challenging. It is the state versus the defendant not the victim versus the defendant. So of course we take the victim's um, wishes and um, opinions into account. But the important thing is not only to protect the victim but to hold the offender accountable. And that's our job. Kathy Phillips specializes in prosecuting domestic violence cases. And she does take abusers to trial even when the victim wants a dismissal. She says the question then becomes, does she have enough evidence to convince a jury? depends on the evidence that we have, whether or not there are witnesses, um, whether or not we have corroborating evidence, whether or not we have other proof that could be given to a jury without the victims. It's challenging, <laughs> it's difficult, but it's something we just have to keep on striving to do. And when there's no conviction or a case of domestic violence is dismissed, it leaves some wondering if justice has been done. I think that there needs to be an accountability in every case. And we need to show them that if you do this, then there's a punishment for it. That report from our Sam Dick. We want to thank you for joining us for this edition of Kentucky Newsmakers. We'll see you bright and early this week on WKYT This Morning and hope you make it a good week ahead.